Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week nine, day one of our study of Esther. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Esther 9, 1 through 4. Welcome back to the 10-Week Bible Study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. And before we get started, I want to encourage you to check out all the resources we have over at 10weekbible.com. We need to know the Bible now more than ever. So it may be your time to start leading a Bible study group in your church or in a small group in your home. All right, with that, let's go ahead and pray before we start today. Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us. God, speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. We want to know you more through your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. I'll be reading today from the NIV. This is Esther 9, starting in verse 1. On the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, the edict commanded by the king was to be carried out. On this day, the enemy of the Jews had hoped to overpower them. But now the tables had turned and the Jews got the upper hand over those who hated them. So, We've been looking forward to this for most of this book, this moment that's been coming, and now it's finally here. So months have passed since we left chapter eight and all of the events there. Haman's dead. Haman's been dead for months, but and, and so much fear of the Jews had arisen that people actually started converting to Judaism. They were getting circumcised and following the laws and customs of Moses so that they could be considered Jews so that they wouldn't be attacked by the Jews on this day. And so all of this time has passed, but there's still people. There's still, a, we're going to find out a whole bunch of people. I mean, when you consider the the vast size of the Persian Empire is relatively a small number of people, but this is still not going to be an insignificant number of people who have decided, despite everything that's gone on, they still want to try and attack and kill and annihilate the Jews. And so they're going to try. And so this is that day. That day has come. We're in the 12th month and it's it's time for all of this stuff to start playing out. And the Jews, they assembled, they were ready, they were prepared. The number of people who wanted to attack them had obviously dwindled. The number of Jews and people who converted to Jews and were helping them had had surged. We're going to find out why. And so no one stood a chance against them. So the Jews win all of this. They overpower them. I like the way it says the tables are turned. They got the upper hand. We're using, you know, two colloquialisms here to express that the Jews are, are going to win and win amazingly well and, and easily is the way the that this makes it feel, right? I'm sure that hand-to-hand combat and things like that, none of this was actually quote-unquote easy, but in, in terms of what the, the impression that the Bible is giving us is it feels like this was an easy victory. All right, continuing on verse 2. The Jews assembled in their cities and in all the provinces of King Xerxes to attack those determined to destroy them. No one could stand against them because the people of all the other nationalities were afraid of them. And all the nobles of the provinces, the satraps, the governors, and the king's administrators helped the Jews because of Mordecai, because fear of Mordecai had seized them. That right there. All right, so all of these, so not only are all of the, the, the people around the Persian Empire, not only has the number of them dwindled who wanted to attack the Jews, a lot of them have become Jews to get out of being attacked, but not only that, 
all of the government officials, all of the people who under Haman's order were essentially kind of on the hook to help out with this, or at least it, it seemed like it was going to be expected. You know, if Haman is still in charge and they don't attack the Jews and he finds out that one of the governors didn't go through this plan, I mean, that's going to be, you know, you're, you're not going to stay in power very long at best. You might lose your life, you know, after all the dust has settled. But now everything's turned around and Mordecai now has Haman's job. And so now everyone in the government, everyone in the government is afraid of Mordecai. They're not going to attack the Jews, whether they want to or not. They're actually going to help the Jews because of fear of Mordecai. Fear of Mordecai had seized the entire empire of Persia. That's that's crazy to think about that. I mean, I mean, let that sink in, right? The the Jews have lost their kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar carried them all away into Babylon. Their their homeland has been destroyed. They've been conquered. But in Babylon, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they raised to prominence, they raised to power. The the kingdom of Babylon falls literally in one day to the kingdom, the empire of Persia. And Daniel is retained to be a a leader, a very high official in the Persian kingdom. And then a generation or so later, Esther and Mordecai come along and they are elevated. And Mordecai essentially becomes probably the most powerful guy, in powerful Jew in the history of the exile. During, During this entire exile period, Mordecai becomes the most powerful, exalted Jew between the two kingdoms or anywhere. I would dare say that Mordecai in in this position is actually, he is is ruling over more people than any of the kings of Israel ever did by far. I mean, by far. I mean, I don't know if it would be too much of a stretch to say that, that in Mordecai's position, he may actually be ruling over more people than all of the kings of Israel combined. Right, because Israel was actually always relatively small in number compared to all of these surrounding nations, and the nations have obviously grown at this point to even larger than they were before. And so Mordecai is is a, a very powerful man, ruling over a very large number of people over a very broad geographic area, the largest empire the world had ever known up to this point. And Mordecai is the guy. He is the guy in charge. And he's become so powerful and prominent that people, all of them, all these people are afraid to cross him. Right? Let's continue on. Verse 4. Mordecai was prominent in the palace. His reputation spread throughout the provinces and he became more and more powerful. So what the Bible is telling us is that Mordecai, initially, he gets promoted to this place. He gets the signet ring. The king, I think, and again, the Bible doesn't say this, but I think the Bible kind of alludes to this. I think the Bible is making this somewhat clear, is that after Mordecai comes up with this idea of of how to undo the rule, I think the king thinks it's brilliant because basically he, he, in reality, this is the only way under the Persian government that they could 
accomplish this is that there's going to have to be fighting, right? Because the Persians won't undo any law, any law that they've already done. And so this edict that they, it's open season to kill Jews. He won't, won't and can't undo that under their legal system. And so Mordecai comes up with this new thing where it's like, well, we can assemble and defend ourselves and, and, the way it all plays out, the way Mordecai does this, I think the king's like, that's brilliant. You have taken away any motivation. The way all this went down, we talked about this. You've taken away any motivation for most of the people who probably wanted to do this to actually do this. And that's brilliant. And it's it's after that that the king gives him the crown and the royal robes. And so Mordecai's prominence is growing. But over these these months... Right, so all of this is in place, and so we're getting the impression that other things are going on. Right, there's there's normal governance, normal things like that, and Mordecai is doing such an awesome job at all of those things. Like the favor of the Lord is on Mordecai in the king's palace, that the king is just giving him everything, you know, and everything he does, he's got Midas's touch; it just turns to gold. Everything is going well. The favor of the Lord is on Mordecai. And everybody can see that. Everybody in the Citadel of Susa, everybody in the palace, all of the officials, everyone who comes in and out, they can see that there's just so much favor on Mordecai. They don't dare touch this guy. They don't dare cross him. They don't want to get crosswise with Mordecai because they're terrified of him. They're terrified that, you know, he could pull the Queen of Hearts thing and be like, I don't like you off with your head right? Or he could fire them. He has full control at this point over all of these government officials. And if they do something he doesn't like, he can fire them. And the king's not going to care because the king is back in his, you know, beautiful palace in a room where no one's allowed to go to unless they're willing to risk their life to do it with his little gold scepter there holding, you know, like, oh, am I going to, am I going to do it? Am I going to, you know, I, 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 I see all of these, you know, comedy movies, you know, where he's like, you know, am I going to, am I going to extend it? Maybe, maybe, maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. Ah, you know, it's like, I can, I, I can totally imagine him messing with people at times, getting them very nervous and watching them sweat. I have to imagine at least once or twice he had to have, he had to have had fun with that golden scepter thing where maybe he extends, maybe he doesn't, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, you know, anyway. Uh, so that's what, that's the King's situation. Mordecai's in charge of everything. The King doesn't want to be bothered with that. So Mordecai has full power over everything. And, and it, it gives us the impression at first Mordecai had probably mostly full power, but the King still got a bit of a leash on him. But as time progresses, Mordecai is just fully, fully in charge. And everybody knows it. Everybody in all of the Persian Empire knows it. And they're terrified. So much so that all of these Persian officials, they actually help attack or defend and then attack all of these people from all of these other nations, probably Persians as well, coming against the Jews. They're actually on Mordecai and the Jews' side. That is the deliverance of the Lord. That's how the Lord turned this thing around in less than a year, I mean, in just a moment, the Lord did just amazing things. He can do it for you and I. For the 10-Week Bible Study, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.